Chapter Three of Non-Combatants and Others by Rose Macaulay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anthony Ogus. Alex goes. It was Sunday next day. Dorothy and Margot conducted a party of wounded soldiers to Matins. Mrs. Orme, who thought it time Mademoiselle Verstigel went to mass again, sent her over to Wanford where there was a church of her persuasion. She herself had to go up to town to the Sunday club, where soldiers' and sailors' families were kept out of the streets and given coffee, news, friendship, music, and the chance to read good books, a chance of which Mrs Orme, a sanguine person, hoped undiscouraged that they would one day avail themselves. Hope, faith and love were in her family. Her sister, Daphne Sandomir, when in England, held study circles of working women to instruct them in the principles which make for permanent peace, and hoped with the same fervour that they would read the books and pamphlets she gave them. Mr. Orme and John walked over to the links to play golf. Alex, not having either the church, club or golf habit, and being unfitted for much walking, sat in the wood, tried to paint and failed. She felt peevish, tired, cross and selfish, and her head ached, as one's head nearly always does after being sick in the night. The pines were no good, stupid trees, the wrong shape. What sort of pictures would one be painting out there? Mud-coloured levels, mud-coloured men, splashes of green here and there, and red? And blue sky, or mud-coloured, with shells winging through it like birds, singing Lloyd, 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 Lloyd. The sort of picture Basil would be painting, and the way he would be painting it, she knew exactly. Only probably he wasn't painting at all today. It was Sunday hate day. Whiz-bangs, pom-poms, trench mortars, spinning along and bouncing off the wire trench roof. Minnie coming along to blow the whole trench inside out. Legs and arms and bits of men flying in the air, the rest of them buried deep in choking earth, perhaps to be dug out alive, perhaps dead. What was it John had said on the balcony? Something about a leg, the leg of a friend, pulling it out of the chaos of earth and mud and stones which had been a trench, thinking it led on to the entire friend, finding it didn't, was a detached bit, had John cried at the time? Been sick? Probably not. John was a self-contained young man. He had waited till afterwards, when he was asleep. Alex, seeing her friends in scattered bits, seeing worse than that, seeing what John had seen and mentioned with tears, turned the greenish pallor of pale ageing cheese and dropped her head in her hands. Painting was off for that morning, Painting and war don't go together. 2. Mrs Orme came home in the afternoon, tired but still energetic. Mr Orme and John came in to tea too, with Sunday papers, and having seen telegrams about the German offensive being stopped at Ypres. Callers dropped in to tea. They worried John by their questions. They kindly drew out Mademoiselle Verstigel in French worse than her English. Directly after tea, Margot had to hurry away up to town to the canteen. 
The callers dropped out again, one by one. John and his father went out to smoke in the garden and to look at young trees. Dorothy went to make a cake for the hospital. Mrs. Orme sorted, filed and pigeonholed case papers about Belgians. Alex, sitting in the window seat, said, "'Aunt Eleanor, I think I'm too far away from the school. I think I'd better go and stay in London to be nearer.' Mrs. Orme, abstracted part of her attention from the Belgians, paused, paper in hand, and looked at her niece with her fine, dark, kind eyes, that were like her sister's, only different. "'Very well, child. You may be right. I'm sorry, though.' She jabbed a paper on the file, and gave more of her attention still. "'Go and stay in London. But with whom, dear? And what does your mother think?' "'Oh, mother!' said Alex, and gave her small, crooked smile. "'Mother won't mind. She never does. I'll write to her about it, any time. Well, I might be in rooms, alone or with someone else.' "'Not alone,' Mrs. Orme said promptly. "'You're not old enough. Twenty-five, is it? You look less. Oh, yes, I know girls do it, but I don't like it. I wouldn't let Dorothy or Margot. Who could you share them with?' "'You've not thought of anyone especial. "'It would have to be someone sensible who'd look after you, or you'd get ill. "'Nicholas lives with another man, doesn't he? "'Wait, I've just thought of something.' "'She began rummaging in her desk. "'I've a letter somewhere. I kept it, I know.' "'She looked for it. "'Alex thought how like she was, as she searched, to her sister Daphne.' Both were so often looking for papers which they knew they had kept, and both had the same short-sighted frown and graceful bend of the neck. Here, said Mrs. Orme, and held up an envelope addressed in a flowing hand, the sort of hand once used by most ladies, but now chiefly by elderly and middle-aged persons of an unliterary habit. Emily Frampton, said Mrs. Orme, no, you wouldn't know her, but she's a cousin. That is, not a cousin, but married to one. She's the widow of your cousin Lawrence, who died fifteen years ago. None of us could think why. Well, she checked herself. She's very nice and kind, Emily Frampton. But so different, she meant, from their cousin Lawrence. This was so. Lawrence Frampton had been scholarly, humorous, keen-witted, dry-tongued, and a professor of Greek. Emily Frampton was not, which is sufficient description of her for the moment. She and her two girls, her own, you know, she was a widow even before she married Lawrence, live at Clapton. Violette, Spring Hill, Upper Clapton, N. They're poor. They want some nice person to board with them. She's very kind. You'd be taken care of. Mrs Orme puckered her wide, white forehead, and looked at Alex as if she were a Belgian with a case-paper. "'Really, till your mother comes back and takes the responsibility, I can't let you go just anywhere.' "'Well,' Alex drawled a little, uncertainly, "'I don't like being taken care of, Aunt Eleanor, and they sound dull.' "'Well, dear, you must settle. I own I couldn't personally live at, what's the name of the house, Geranium, Pansy, no, Violet, Violette, I mean.' Those sort of people are so dreadfully out of the currents. Probably know nothing about the war, except that there is one, 
and well said alex more quickly perhaps i'll go there aunt eleanor i think i will you'll be doing them a kindness said mrs orme and of course it will be much more convenient for you than going up to town from here every day if you like i'll write to mrs frampton to-day we shall miss you dear she screwed up her eyes affectionately at alex and added you don't look well child i wish your mother would come home you miss her it's fun when mother's home said alex but it's quieter when she isn't mother's so so stimulating oh very said mrs orme who thought of mrs sandomir as a spoilt clever fascinating but wrong-headed younger sister she couldn't tell alex how wrong-headed she found her mother but she added kindly you know my dear that i think she is mistaken in her present enterprise and will be much better at home most enterprises are mistaken all very likely said alex and her aunt was shocked thinking she should not be cynical so young the child's a funny outcome of paul sandomir and daphne she reflected and returned to her case papers three john came in alex noticed how cheerful and placid he looked and how his hand holding his pipe shook he sat down and began to talk about the advantages of not digging up one of the lawns for potatoes which margot wanted to do his memories lay behind his watchful eyes safely guarded but alex knew i must write to mother she said and left the room as she went upstairs she met mademoiselle verstigel coming down her sunday dress was bright scarlet with canary-coloured ribbons she had saved it out of the wreck at home when all seemed lost and fled in it like so many belgians she looked at alex with her round eyes and they too held memories alex stumbled at a stare mademoiselle caught her thin arm in her own plump one and saved her from falling alex hated the touch she said oh merci and gripped her stick tight and hurried on upstairs with her uneven limping steps she got into the schoolroom and shut the door i must get away she said breathing hard i will go to violette End of chapter 3